Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hi, everyone. This is Rena Jadhav with the Health Boot Camps program. So we're chatting today with Jessica Nidefer. Jessica has an incredibly unusual story of hope, of energy, of healing, and of creating a whole new mission statement for her in terms of helping people like you and me. Jessica is the founder of the Agata Energy Healing Program and is here to talk to us all about energy today, but a little bit about her background. So she became aware that there was more to her than just a physical body at a very young age. She had a lot of health issues during childhood and almost died when at 15, she had complications from Crohn's disease. So after many years of doctors treating her symptoms, which is a lot of you who know my story, it parallels a little bit of my story, treating the symptoms with Western medicine, she knew that there had to be another way of getting to health. So after a profound experience at the age of 31, which I'm going to get her to share with you because it's fascinating, she realized that there was a different way and that she was meant to support herself and others in healing on a deeper level. So since that moment in 2007, Jessica began studying, practicing energy work, sound healing, became more conscious of what her body was asking her for, and through her own research and life experience, found that a combination of diet, exercise, emotional healing practices was able to give her the health and joy that she is now full of. When you meet her, she glows. She's, she's a beautiful soul. I had the opportunity <clears throat> of meeting her at our last Heal Circle get-together, and that's where I asked her if she'd be willing to come on our podcast because she has a beautiful story to share and I believe a really great message of health. Jessica, welcome. Thank you, Rena. It's good to be here. Let you know, share with our listeners your mission statement because it's it's so powerful. So, uh, I just put together this website a few years ago, actually, but I've been practicing for eleven, and it took me a while to really understand what I was, what I was contributing to this earthly plane and what I was to bring into this space and what my practice involves is integrity and wellness which for me is love and light and really working as a team with people in their highest good to support them in their process um, on this path or this journey called life and I really love working with people in seeing the energy behind what they may be experiencing in their physical world. So whether it be emotions that we're carrying or physical pain that we're carrying or dis-ease that we are experiencing within our body, I believe that's all connected to what we hang on to on the inside in our cellular memory. And that when we experience things that are traumatic or not very loving, that we house those in our body and we're not aware of them. And I believe that's when we experience dis-ease within us or discomfort or pain. And what I do is help people or support them in their process of seeing what may be limiting them, what limiting beliefs that they may be holding that may be creating uh, these symptoms within their body. What causes disease according to you? emotional baggage that we hang on to. 
emotional experiences that are unloving, uh, when we experience symptoms of depression. And I don't like to say I have Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed with this thing we called Crohn's disease when I was 14, about 30 years ago. But when, I, when people ask me about my journey or they ask me about Crohn's disease, I express and I share with them that I experience symptoms of Crohn's disease sometimes, but that it is not me and it does not define me. Because the second I say I have this, I'm telling the universe and I'm telling the energy around me, this is what I have and this is what I am. And that's not supportive to me. So I, I work with that. a different language. I love that. I love your emphasis on language. Because I think we so often forget that the words we use, as you rightly reminded us in that Heal Circle session, are real. That words have impact. That they're, they're not just meaningless thoughts. They're actually real manifestations that can take form and so using a word like i have implies that this is something that now i am which is very different from i have symptoms which means i absolutely this is not who i am this doesn't define me so just changing the words that we use when we're in dis-ease can change potentially how we approach our wellness program and i i, I really love that what are your thoughts around the fact that thoughts are more than just words. Uh, well, as Mike Dooley, the lovely uh, messenger of the, the notes of the universe, uh, so eloquently says, thoughts are things, choose the good ones. He wrote the book, The Secret and uh, Messages from the Universe. And I really love that he, um, that he shows that, hey, um, just because you have thoughts in your head doesn't mean that we don't feel them out in the universe. It doesn't mean that, we, that we're not sharing them even though we're not speaking them. So if I am telling a story about myself mm -hmm. and it's unloving or I'm hearing, maybe, maybe you hear one of your kids telling a story and they're telling you how their day went and they're using some words that, that don't feel good or they, they feel like they say they're depressed or they don't feel like they're welcomed into groups at school. And when you're listening to that story, sometimes a parent's heart feels like it's breaking, right? Because you want to help them and you want them to feel better and feel confident and secure. And yet that's the story they're choosing. So we can, we can suggest some different words to work with or we can just tell a new story with them. So I like to tell that new story because those thoughts in our head actually do become things. Because when we have a thought or an idea, what do we do? We speak it, we share it with people, we share the idea or we write it down, we create a plan and then we create it here in the physical world. When we do that, by default, our thought, this etheric thing that we have, now is a physical thing here on earth, right? Mm -hmm. We build a building, we build a practice, we build a home for wayward kids, whatever it may be. It's an organization that we put together in our minds and then we create it here. So if I'm talking about something I want to create and I'm using words that are unsupportive or unloving or just don't feel good, then that's the energy I feel I'm putting into that creation. And I don't feel that we are creating it from the most loving space. Just like the millionaires that are out there in the world. Some people are really, really great at manifesting money. But most people that you ask that are millionaires are not very happy. So as we look at disease and as we look at thoughts, and as you mentioned, a lot of these diseases start with unhappy emotions. What have you seen work? in helping people get rid of these negative emotions? So when I work with clients, um, and these are the, I call it my toolbox. 
and I have a, I have a toolbox and I have, I give people a tool belt and then I hand them a few tools every week when we work together. So they are not overwhelmed by all of the tools that we have at our disposal, but we don't really practice. And they're really simple things that we can practice like creating a morning ritual. Hmm. If you want to create something new in your life and you want to create a new habit in your life, you have to create a new way of doing something. So most people that I know and that I talk to don't really have something that they do in the morning to actually sit down and ground. Right. Visualization is really powerful. Our minds are really powerful tools, but we're usually using them or working with them to focus on the negative or the unloving stuff. And so if we choose every morning to set our alarm mm -hmm. at the same time every day, and I like to do it at about six o'clock between six and seven, still relatively quiet outside. And that really gives me a moment to sit in my meditation chair, which I have intended to be a chair for meditation. So that way my mind says, oh, this is the chair for meditation. So when I sit down in it, my mind is in cooperation already. And then when I sit there, I visualize, I see roots growing from the bottom of my feet. I create light within my body. I breathe it in and I create a bubble around myself and I create this safe and sacred space that I am grounded into. As I do that every morning, I am creating a new habit and maybe one of those old habits that's not really serving me like feeling rushed or depressed or sad or lonely, whatever it may be. I am doing something that feels loving and that is loving. And so maybe one of those other patterns that I've practiced before doesn't get practiced anymore because I have this new thing that I'm focusing on that feels good. Mm, very powerful. What other tool have you seen to work? Do you believe in tapping? Is that something you've used as well? Um, I work with acupressure points. So like an acupuncturist works with needles. I just work with my fingers on the different acupressure points. I work with sound. Um, I am also a Reiki master. So it's a combination of sound, of energy movement by touch therapy. Um, I don't necessarily tap on people, but sometimes I will move them. Um, maybe I move their arm or their leg, or I will press deeply into certain acupressure points to, and all I'm doing is giving the mind a focal point to come to because in, in my hands, I can feel a vibration or I can feel a heat where I am to guide that person to. I don't always know what is living in the body at that place and time or that point, mm -hmm. but their mind and their, their unconscious mind and their body knows and if they're willing and open, the answers will come to them and they will be able to release. And sometimes when people release emotions from their body, there's an actual physical reaction. There's a, an involuntary movement of a hand or an arm or a leg or a foot. Um, another tool that I work with is just uh, sharing people how to acknowledge themselves. Sharing an exercise I call acknowledge, welcome, breathe, release. And I feel that, and I know in my own practice, in my own process of healing, because I'm no different than anybody else, I just have a different awareness of how energy works. And I do my best to share that in a very simple way so everyone can remember that they're already practicing it. They're already capable of doing what I'm doing, because we all are. So when we acknowledge what's going on within ourselves, meaning if we're feeling depressed or angry or frustrated, we just stop in the moment that we realize we're in an unloving space. Frustration is an unloving space. It doesn't feel good. Our body talks to us. We feel pain in our body or we feel our chest tighten or we feel our guts churn when we feel frustrated or we feel insecure or we feel angry. 
there's physical symptoms that we will experience, but most of us are living in our head and ignoring the messages that our body is giving us. So when we're able to see the unloving feeling, frustration, we can just stop and say in our heads or out loud if you're by yourself, I acknowledge I'm feeling frustrated. Hmm. And the next most important part is to welcome that or to feel that, to allow yourself to feel frustrated. Even though it's an unloving feeling, we must acknowledge it first and then feel it, welcome it in order to let it go. Because if we don't acknowledge and welcome it, then we're just pushing it under the rug and saying, okay, fine, I acknowledge I'm feeling this way, but you know, I'll just get over it and I'll move on with life. We've still hold, we're still holding on to that feeling because we didn't say it's okay. We didn't say it's okay to welcome this and to feel this angry or frustrating feeling. So the welcoming part is really important. Feeling it, allowing yourself to feel it. You don't have to be angry but allow yourself to feel the anger that you're, that you're feeling inside in order to mm-hmm. breathe it out and let it go. This is actually a great segue for you to share your own experience, if you're comfortable with that, as to how you emerged into this particular profession, because this isn't how you started, right? No, I've worked in high tech for 20 years as an office manager or executive admin. And um, this, the awareness came into my life about 11 years ago, I was 31. Um, I was having some, I was experiencing some symptoms of extreme vertigo um, to the point where I couldn't walk for a couple weeks. And I went to a chiropractor and he recommended I go to this woman who was renting a space in his office for a massage. And I went for a massage and um, at the end of it, she offered to do 15 minutes of Reiki for free. And I said, well, what's that? I don't know what that is. And she says, well, it's based on Ayurvedic healing and there's these energy centers or chakras within your body. And I'm just going to place my hands on the different energy centers and you're going to relax for 15 more minutes for free. And I said, sure, that sounds mm-hmm. great. And so she put her hands on my head, uh, the first chakras or the seven chakras at the top of the head. And I could feel a warmth and I could feel a vibration. I could feel the top of my head vibrating and I could feel heat. Uh, coming into my head Mm -hmm. and then when she got to my chest when she put her hands on my chest I left my body and I had experienced different energies when I was a kid Um, we want to call them spirits or energies it's up to you Um, but I knew that there was something outside of my physical body I couldn't see it but I could feel it very intensely and it was very scary for me uh, at that age I didn't have anybody to really guide me or mentor me so I I shut it off and um, in that moment I left my body. It was the first time I had experienced that. And I was uh, looking down and watching her with her hands on my body, on my chest. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And instead of reacting, I continued to just observe. And um, at that point, as I relaxed into it, I saw the picture below change into like a black and white x-ray. And I saw my rib cage under her hands and I saw a big lock on my rib cage. And the moment I saw the lock, I also saw it shatter into a million pieces. And then my rib cage opened up and my heart flew out of my chest and I returned to my body. And now I'm watching this heart, this like cartoon heart flying above me, smiling uh, as I'm laying on the table. And I heard a man's voice say, you are free. And it was only me and her in the room. So I don't know whose voice that was, one of my guides or whoever you want to believe that is. But I heard this man's voice and I, I thought, wow, that, that's interesting. What does that mean? And when I asked, what does that mean in my mind, I then saw like a PowerPoint slideshow of all the times I was ill from the time I was five until that moment at 31. 
And I realized in every picture that I was watching in my mind that I was putting my hands on the different parts of me that I was feeling pain or discomfort and, um, the, and asking Jesus. I was raised Catholic, so for me, Jesus was the guy. And um, I asked Jesus to take the pain away, or asked God to take the pain away, and it would almost immediately subside. Yeah. And I thought in my mind, wow, I wish that's interesting. I, w- I really wish that was true. And I heard the voice again say, it is. This is what you're supposed to do now. And I really didn't understand what that meant, but I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. So I continued to work in high tech. I continued to do my, my daytime job and be financially responsible and pay my bills. And uh, in, my, in my private time, I studied Reiki and I started to ask for teachers, just asking in my meditations for teachers to come. And people just showed up exactly when they were supposed to be there. And that, that's how it began. That's incredible. And how did you heal your symptoms of Crohn's? That has been a combination of um, really seeing what emotions I'm hanging on to. Uh, it's also a change of diet. Um, I was also, uh, I, I, I like to party quite a bit when I was younger. So there was a lot of drinking and some drugs involved. So obviously that didn't really support my body and being healthy. So I stopped doing that and um, really dove into the energy work. And I practiced on myself at first, because when you start learning Reiki, there's not really any way to teach you. Mm. They do your attunement and they say, okay, now go practice on yourself or on friends. And you're like, well, (laughs) great. That's not really helping me to understand what this is. Um, And so for anybody out there that wants to practice energy work or is interested in learning more about Reiki, I highly recommend picking up a copy of Reiki for Dummies because the, the manual for the Institute doesn't really give you any pertinent information. It gives you, you know, hand positions and the history of it, but doesn't really give you anything more than that. And Reiki for Dummies really opened up a a whole other perspective for me. So I started working with that book. And then I, in 2011, I met um, Troy and Tina Bunnell, who worked with um, the four agreements or Toltec wisdom and different uh, neuro-linguistic programming processes. And really that's when the majority of my growth started to happen because I started to really listen to my language and how I was communicating with others and what kind of energy or intention was behind the words that I was working with. Because words are a dime a dozen. They are powerful, but really it comes down to the intention behind them. What do you find are some of the most negatively impactful words that people seem to use because I remember in our session you talked a lot about like I hear these words I hear these words because you so you've heard hundreds of people use words certain kinds of words that clearly are negative when it comes to their health what are some of the most common words and phrases that you can share so we can all become mindful and not using them going forward trying is the number one on my list because trying is neither doing nor being I'm trying to accomplish this goal. I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to lose weight. What are we doing? We're simply trying to do something, but we're never really really doing it because we are putting this label of trying on it and we're telling the story of trying instead of doing or being. So when I start working with clients, I ask them to not work with that word anymore, not to, you know, erase it completely unless you want to because I don't say try it all anymore if I if I can help it. Um because it really doesn't allow us to tell the story of I am accomplishing this. Mm-hmm. I am doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, thinking. I think. I think this is what I want. Um, thinking is of the egoic mind. Mm-hmm. The mind is a really powerful tool, remember, but it's also a worthy opponent. And it's there mm-hmm. to challenge us to see things in a different way, to move out of our head and to go into our body and feel more. 
but most of us are living in the head. So when someone says, I think a lot, I ask them to work with uh, words like, I am, I know, I feel, or I believe. Because those are owning it. Mm-hmm. I think I want to do this. You're not really owning it. You're not committing to it. So there's no commitment there either in that, in that phrase for me. Right? So I am. Cool. And also working with I am, you want to be very uh, aware of what word you put after I am. I am is the most powerful sentence in the English language. I am. That's a sentence. If I'm saying I am angry, that's mm-hmm. what I am. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just feeling angry, right? Because feelings flow. I can flow the feelings if I'm just feeling angry. But when I say I am angry, that's telling the energies around me. That's telling the universe, God, whatever it is for you. I am this. Give me more of this experience. Right. And that's not necessarily what I want to cultivate either. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I am love. I am worthiness. I am forgiveness. I am compassion. I want to tell that mm-hmm. story. So true. Is there a mantra that you give people? Like, this is what I want you to say three times a day, especially before you <laughs> take a nap. <laughs> um, sometimes I work with mantras. Um, if I'm going to have, if I'm going to suggest a mantra, then I ask them, actually, anybody that I work with, I give them a, a copy of the book, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, uh, mm-hmm. H-A-Y. Most people know who she is. Um, that book has a uh, chapter 15 in it and it's called the list. And that list in that chapter is basically giving you a bunch of physical symptoms that we experience. It mm-hmm. gives you an emotional or energetic reason as to why we may be experiencing them. And then it gives you a mantra that's connected to it. And I usually ask people to refer to that book to find the symptoms that they're experiencing to make a, a chart of them and to see the similarities and what the pattern may be there, whether it's a pattern of anger or a pattern of insecurity or a pattern of sadness, mm-hmm. and then practice the mantras that are in the book. Or I ask them to look at the book and then make their own according to the book. Okay, then that sounds amazing. What about people that are suffering from diseases that, you know, they say that there's a genetic, that I don't have any emotional issues. What do you say to them? Um... I don't necessarily agree that everything is genetic. We, we all have the, the capacity to experience autism or we all have the capacity to experience um, cancer, right? They're just, they are genes that are triggered by sometimes our environment, um, but usually by, what's the, by the environment on the inside of us, I believe. So um, someone who's experiencing symptoms of cancer, I believe that that's longstanding resentment and anger that they're holding on to, mm-hmm. right? And if we are holding on to those things, but we're not aware of them, then these symptoms happen to give us a, a, like a, um, a message, right? Because I believe we're dealing with four bodies. We have a mental body, our mind. We have an emotional body, our heart. We have a physical body just the body. And then we have a spirit or a soul body or an energetic body. And if one of those is not being listened to, usually the energetic body is talking to us. We're not hearing it or we're ignoring it. That's when the physical body has a symptom appear, Mm. whether it be acne or PMS or cancer or whatever it may be. Those are not symptoms that feel good within the body, nor, nor are they loving things that we really want to experience. At the same time, 
once we're in it, we've gotten to the point of no, re no return. We've, we, ha we are experiencing cancer. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that we can do, a lot of people that um, I've, I've, some people that I've worked with and, and a lot of friends that I, I know that have dealt with it or have been through the experience, they tend to want to fight this thing called cancer. I'm going to fight this. It's mm -hmm. a war. And then it becomes this war. But what we're really doing in saying that, what I see us doing is saying, this is a bad thing in my body and it's not okay. And when I say that some part of my body is not okay, I'm saying that it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. So in the mind, I am fighting this thing that's part of me. But I'm perfectly made, even with this thing called cancer inside of me. It's still a part of me at that point. So the best thing to do would be to embrace the experience, to embrace this thing called cancer mm -hmm. and say, okay, this is not really what I uh, dreamed of. It doesn't feel good. How can I work with it? How can I be in harmony with it so I can release it from my body? I had colon cancer at mm -hmm. 35, and I had, of course, another more debilitating disease, as I say, at 45. And, um, you know, as, as a quote-unquote patient, it's always hard to think that your disease is something that you may have caused uh, from your own list of uh, imbalances that you created, whether it's wittingly or unwittingly. It's so much easier to say, oh, I just inherited that, you know, it's not mm -hmm. my fault. And so it, it's, I, I love your message around sort of looking in that mirror and acknowledging that I have not facing the emotions that need to be faced or dealing with the emotions that need to be dealt with, which then has consequences in my body. And, and a big part of that is learning to reset my life, reset my, my mind, my body, my soul, my emotions. Your thoughts. Your thoughts. Let's talk about thoughts. What can you share yes. on that? How, how does someone go about resetting their thoughts? Especially when they're sick. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's more, a little bit more challenging because we don't feel good, right? And then we, have, we, we can experience symptoms of depression or we can experience symptoms of sadness or just not wanting to move on um, or to be here. And that's very real. I'm not, I'm not making light of anybody's feelings or that cancer is this you know, easy thing to move through. I, I'm not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. um, I see our thoughts as being a very important part of our process because if we are constantly in the negative thoughts, then we are perpetuating that which we do not wish to experience. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so as if something like that happened, just like for me when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, um, in my experience, at that point, I was told by doctors saying, you have this and you need to take all these pills. You need to come in here and have these appointments uh, you know, once a month and then we're going to give you more pills and you're going to feel better. But I wasn't feeling better. And um, I was also a teenager and I was going through puberty and there's all these things happening around me. And I just felt like I was being killed slowly by mm. my parents because they were smothering me, by the doctors because there's all these tests and stuff going on. And the medications they were giving me were not, were not resonant with my body. So I, um, it was quite radical, actually. I had some issues with my parents, and I ended up just moving out when I was 17, before I even graduated high school. I just left oh, wow. home. And um, I just lived at a few people's places here and there. And I was making enough money at the time as a waitress to move into my own place. And I just didn't allow all these other thoughts that people were trying to shove on me, mm -hmm. all these ideas and beliefs. I just 
said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And I moved out and I stopped taking all medications altogether. I'm not saying that's the best solution for anybody to, to do, <laughs> but it was for me in that moment to liberate myself from what everybody else was telling me was best for me when I could feel in my body that it wasn't. So at that point, I just decided to do anything except think about this thing, Crohn's disease. And it was very conscious on my part. It, this thing does not rule my life. It does not define me. It is not who I am. And I, I just refused to accept mm -hmm. it. And for seven years, I didn't take any medications. I did some, you know, probiotics and some vitamins and stuff. Juice Plus was really helpful for me in the beginning, actually. Juice Plus is a really great brand and very potent and very powerful. Um, and probiotics. Um, so all these things happened and then I realized, okay, yeah, mind over matter. I'm just going to keep doing this. And so it was anytime I started to feel bad, I would just say, okay, well, what can I do to, to feel better? Okay. Change this thought. So I'd already been practicing it when I was younger. I just didn't know that this thing, NLP or neuro-linguistic programming existed. I didn't know that we could um, have a conscious form of communication, meaning being aware of the words we're using and actually understanding the intention behind them too. So as I started to go through my process, it was just, again, changing the thoughts. Well, then I had some symptoms later on in life, and those came up again, and then I was introduced to Reiki, and then I started practicing energy work on myself, and that, again, was moving energy, right, placing your hands on your body and using the mind to visualize light or visualize energy moving through it and moving darkness out or moving dis-ease out or, or harmonizing things. Those were new thoughts I was giving my mind to. See this new process. See this new thing that I'm doing here. Oh, this, my hands on my belly? Yeah, that's not just my hands on my belly. There's actual energy coming through me from my source, whether mm -hmm. you want to call it God or universe or whatever. We are all these electromagnetic fields floating around in this world. Mm -hmm. We are energy, right? Energy Absolutely. is matter equals MC squared. It's Einstein's theory. It's science. Energy is matter. Matter is energy. Absolutely. Our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you shared earlier, I mean, our feelings are vibrations. So it's, it's thoughts, but it's also feelings, right? There's, there's a whole different layer that comes into manifestation just based on how you feel. Yes. And the thoughts are directly connected to the feelings, right? Because if I'm having a crappy thought, That's I'm feeling right. crappy. That's right. So, so be aware of the feeling and the emotion first and then change the thought. And you have some suggestions on how to have a great day every single day. What are those suggestions? Um, starting with the morning ritual. Yeah, absolutely. I do that every day. And when I do miss it sometimes, because I'm human and I, I get busy in my mind, um, I notice a difference. I notice that things don't go as smoothly during my day. So when I wake up in the morning, I sit in my meditation chair and I ground. And for me, that looks like tree roots coming out of the bottom of my feet and bringing light into my body and creating a safe and sacred space around me, whether it be a bubble or whatever that looks like for you. I like to see myself in that bubble floating through. And if I'm, inter if I'm interacting with someone who may be in an unloving space, I put a bubble around them too. And I send them some love intentionally hmm. because we, we can touch people from anywhere in the world. We can touch them with our thoughts and our feelings. Just like when you have a thought about a friend and then they call you an hour later. Right. So I was just thinking about you. Well, because they were in receiving mode. Yeah. Exactly. They were in receiving mode and you were intentionally sending them a message with love from your heart. 
-hmm. So why don't we do that for ourselves? Mm-hmm. By sitting in morning meditation, we're doing that for ourselves. We're giving ourselves the message that we're worth this moment of quiet and peace. Mm. We start our day with quiet and peace. And then we see our day how we'd like it to go. And then I recommend that everybody let go of the expectation of that actually happening because it usually doesn't. Because for me, expectations equal disappointment every time. <laughs> right? So true. We can have agreements with people. Mm-hmm. And then if they aren't kept, then we have a conversation. But the second you have an expectation of anything happening, you will be disappointed. So it's best to envision what you want because the mind is a powerful visualizing tool. That's great. But then let go of that vision. Otherwise, you get stuck in that vision and the universe can't give you what you're actually asking for. How do you let go of something that you've just visualized? Because to me, it, it, it seems like counterproductive. Wait, I just visualized it. Is that, am I not meant to hold on to that visual? Talk it's, a little bit about how do you let it go? Sure. Um, it's not about um, forgetting about it or, you know, for, you know, just letting it fly off altogether. There's a feeling that's connected to what you're visualizing. So I ask people when they are visualizing to ground in first. My practice, main, main part of this practice that I share with people is to be grounded or to allow themselves to see themselves being grounded and then to feel grounded. So I ask everybody who does any work with me to practice a grounding meditation in the morning or just to practice it throughout your day when you start to feel like you're floating off of your foundation, right? When we feel frustrated, we feel overwhelmed. To go back to that picture that you've given, that means grounding for your mind. And you've given your mind now a focal point to go back to, that means grounding. Then when you have that visualization in your mind, and you're grounding into it, mm-hmm. I, like people to, I like to ask people to feel that in their body. So maybe you feel like your most joyful moment in your life, like when your first baby was laid on your chest at birth, that pure unadulterated joy that you felt when that baby mm-hmm. was there, that feeling you can bring up probably pretty easily, right? That warm, fuzzy feeling in your chest or in your gut, and you're, and you're there. You're in that moment again. And I ask people to get into that feeling place and to feel that joyful moment and then to drop their body here and now into that moment Mm. and go back into that joy that they felt then because it's not really happening then any less than it's happening now. It's the same. I believe that everything is happening at the same time, our past, present, and future. So you do believe that, that it's actually all happening. We, we just, experience it differently because of how we interact with the fabric of the universe. Yes. So I I believe that we experience what we would call a past life experience. We see ourselves in another form, in another body, Mm -hmm. and we pull information from that area and from that being. But I also believe it's just a different aspect of us living in a different dimension that we're able to pull, like from timelines. Have you ever seen the movie Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey? Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the timelines, he's in these other timelines and he's able to communicate, but in a different way. And I see us pulling from these timelines when we are looking for the answers. That's where they come from, from the unconscious mind, from the other parts of us, the other aspects of us. If there's a sick me that there might be actually be a version of me that's (laughs) full of health and that I can source from that fully healthy version of, of myself and perhaps access energy from that. I mean, is that something you believe too? Or we let go of the belief here in this physical space and time that you are not healed and healthy already. 
Mm. Right, because you're simply experiencing symptoms. It's not you don't have cancer. You're experiencing symptoms of cancer. It doesn't mean you're not healthy. You're simply experiencing symptoms of cancer. And they're transient. They're going to be gone. They're they're going to be leaving you soon. And sort of having that expectation that that it isn't something that's with you for the long haul. It's something that's just very temporary. It's just an experience. Mm-hmm. We don't even have to label it as temporary or long-term. I'm mm-hmm. having this experience now. This is my experience. And okay, it doesn't feel good. So how do we change that? Okay, we change our thoughts. We, we surround ourselves with people who are in a loving space and supportive of us in our journey. Mm-hmm. We have energy work done on us. We go for a massage. We go to a chiropractor. You know, even if you can't afford to go get a full body massage, go to Happy Feet Foot Massage for 20 bucks. Yeah. Oh, I love those. I love right? reflexology. It's- You're touching every part of your body right through the foot and the hands, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's 144 acupressure points in each ear alone. Wow. Just rub your ears, rub your feet, right? Or have someone do it for you. These are all really important things to consider. How are you loving yourself? What are you doing for yourself instead of expecting your partner to make you feel better? Mm -hmm. Because that's not your partner's responsibility, really. It's not your kid's responsibility either. And removing the labels, right? Expectation is a label. Mom is a label. And there's expectations that come along with that word mom, that label, right? Society tells us mom is supposed to do these certain things for us, make us feel better, make us dinner, pay for our college tuition, whatever it may be. But that's not really your role. It's just a label that somebody put on you. You and your husband were the portals for your children to enter into this space. And the second they incepted into your belly, they were on their own journey. And they were their own being and they are their own being. And the fact that we call them my children just keeps us more attached to the expectations or the outcome of their experience. And it's not ours to have. We're simply there to mentor and guide and love them to the best of our abilities. Some days we're not successful because you want to punt them across the room. (laughs) That's okay, right? And that's when we process what we're feeling. We acknowledge it. We welcome it and say, okay, I'm not very loving that I'm feeling that way, but it's okay that I feel that way because this is challenging me right now. Great. Mm -hmm. What is there for me to see about myself? What is this person mirroring back to me? And how can I change my thoughts or my energy How am I able to do that now in this moment to let go, to be at peace with what's happening right now, even though it doesn't feel good? And the only way to do that is to actually create a little bit of space between you and yourself, right? In meditation, we we talk a lot about, especially with the Kriyas, with someone like Mm -hmm. a Sadhguru, which is what I do, there are specific meditations where you're trying to separate yourself from you so you can observe yourself, right? It's that become the observer. Yes. Instead of the observed. This is another exercise that I practice with people too. Um, we do, I do a guided meditation uh, when people start to work with me in, in my eight-week program where they tap into the observer form of them and understand what it means to be an observer by tapping into this other aspect of them or this energetic version of them. And I ask them to see themselves in this energetic version. And most people at first... Um, because they, they are told that they're meditating wrong or they believe that they don't know how to meditate, that they don't believe that they can see this version of them. And that comes into working with language again. Because if, I, if you are not a visual person and I ask you to see something, you're not going to be able to see it. And then you're going to feel frustrated that you're not seeing this thing. Mm-hmm. So I say, I ask them to imagine what it would look like if you 
stepped out of yourself. Mm -hmm. Imagine in your mind what this would look like. What, what are you wearing? What do you, are you a shape? Are you a light? Maybe it's not even looking like you. Allow the first thing to come into your mind to appear and just be okay with that. And every time they're able to see something, some people see an orb, some people see um, a cartoon version, some people see an older version of them, an older, wiser version of them, or they see a completely different person altogether. Uh, one of my clients last week saw an eagle. Oh, and that's what he showed up as, as this eagle. And I also pay attention to where this observer or where they see themselves as the observer and where they show up. Is it the right side or the, or the left side? Is it behind you, to the right, left, or in front of you, above you? These all have different meanings as well for me, right? So our feminine side is our, our, our left side is our feminine receiving side, our nurturing and being side. Mm -hmm. So if, I, if they have a guide show up on that side, it's usually asking you to be more in alignment with that being and nurturing side, that feminine. Right side is our masculine doing warrior side. Mm. Right? We do, we release, we let go. Energies are coming in and out that way too, in through the feminine, out through the masculine. If it's showing up on the masculine side, we're being asked to balance out the masculine with the feminine, right? Or maybe there's some things that, we, that we're being asked to do more of, acting in alignment with our heart's desires instead of just thinking about it and not doing anything. How do you help your people who come to you learn to surrender? Because boy, that's not easy. Yeah, it's a choice, right? Just like suffering is a choice. And when someone gets to the point where they don't want to suffer anymore, then, then they say, okay, uh, God, universe, whatever you are, yeah, I don't know what to do, and, um, you know, show me. And that's, that's when people find, or that's when the teacher shows up, or that's when the mentor shows up, or that's when the – and I, I don't really like to – I don't really work with the word healer when I address myself because I'm, I'm not healing anybody. I am simply a facilitator and I assist people in moving energy out of their body, meaning dis-ease or anger or frustration. They're all just unloving things we're moving out. Mm -hmm. And all I do is hold space for them. I, I am a channel. I see, I see energies coming through. I see things moving. I feel them moving intensely. Um, but it all depends on that person's openness to at that point in time and what they're ready to let go of or what they're ready to even acknowledge, right? Because I've had people come to work with me. And um, as you experience at the healing circle that, that you held at Ina's house, um, I'm, I'm quite direct. And I don't really feel like there's there's need to mince words or to add more words because then words become unimportant mm -hmm. and it's really important for us to see clearly where we're at and that's what I support people in doing is seeing what their attitude is what their energy is the the communication that they're working with the language that they're working with and um, some of them are not ready to see some of that stuff and that's okay we work each week to see something new um, and like when I studied with my, with my teacher and his wife, it was a group of us and it was, it was him repeating the same thing over and over again, all three years that I took these classes with him until we were ready to hear it. Hmm. So the only way I know how to support people is to be the most clear and perfect channel that I can be, that I am able to be. That means taking care of myself and being conscious of the words that I work with and really walking the talk and talking the walk doing both 
And um, that is that is the best way I know how to support someone in their healing journey. Usually when people find me or we find each other, it's because they're ready. Mm. And if they're not, then I let them go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 The doctor that really healed me, Dr. Tate, um, she's also referenced in my heal journal that I wrote. Mm -hmm. When I met with her, that was the first thing she said. She said, no, you're ready to heal. That's why you're here today. And yeah. interestingly enough, I met her in Houston on a trip with my daughter because she was in Houston for an internship and I decided to accompany her. Awesome. It wasn't even, you know, someone that came to me referred locally. It was someone I had to find in another mm -hmm. um, state on, yep. a, on a temporary trip and totally by accident. But that's literally what she said. She says, now you're, you're ready. Yeah. That's, that's how you found me. Cause you're, and, and there are no accidents and she did not heal you. You healed yourself. She was a facilitator for you. She showed you some different perspectives and she made some different suggestions that you may not have seen on your own. Correct. And that's, that was your work. That's what you did not anybody else. You have to honor your journey as well and honor your participation because you chose to participate in a different way. You chose to show up in a more loving way of yourself. And that's how we heal. You're, you're absolutely right because there were some significant changes that I did make after sort of that pivotal moment when I switched from, I'm going to fight this, how dare this happen to me, to this is just an experience I meant to go through. And then her giving me, you're right, a lot of important tools, recommendations, and me just sort of following them. Yeah. And one of the first ones was just the belief that I was going to get healthy because I had basically stopped believing that. I mean, I'd gone to so many doctors mm -hmm. and my symptoms were not budging. They were just getting worse. I literally had given up. And I think, you know, as she rightly said, you know, that hope of, of course, of course it can go away. Um, is, is a big part of it, isn't it? Just knowing that, like you said, it's just an experience. It's not who I am. Mm -hmm. But we often define ourselves by our quote-unquote disease. Um, the Four Agreements book, tell our listeners a little bit about that because I thought that was beautiful. So the Four Agreements, the, the book is great. Um, and I was introduced to it when I was introduced to uh, the teachers that I work with, Troy and Tina. And uh, Troy actually worked with, with Don Miguel Ruiz and um, studied with some other Toltec masters. And then he started practicing here in San Jose and, and sharing what he knew here. And um, those four agreements are be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personal. Never assume and always do your best. And really, if each human being is truly living by those four principles, you're not able to be in an unloving space. Because you're being impeccable, you're, you're meaning what you say, you say what you mean, and that's keeping your word. You're being, you're mm -hmm. being honorable. Um, and if you don't take anything personal, you don't have to feel defensive about anything. You don't have to feel like you have to fight something either because that's not a very loving or good feeling space either. And if we're not assuming that people are thinking things about us or saying things about us, even if they are, if we're not assuming that they are, we're not wasting our time and energy about what other people think of us, which is really none of our business anyway, right? They're on their own journey. We're on our own journey. And if you're doing your best, like if you really stop at the end of the day and say, hmm, did I do my best in that experience? And the answer is yes, then yes, great. You did your best. Now, if I have the flu that week. And um, my best is really not going to be the same as it was the week before when I was feeling 
-hmm. So understanding that our best changes in each situation and with each moment of awareness, right? Because we have a different awareness every day that we wake up. Mm -hmm. And as we grow, or, or we sometimes we choose not to grow, that's okay too. Um, but as we choose to be more aware, the more those thoughts in our head change because we are following these principles of not taking things personal and doing our best. And those things feel good and they're supportive and loving of growth and evolution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really resonate with those four agreements and that book. Um, but what the book didn't provide for me was tools. And that's what Troy um, shared with me were tools. Share a little bit about the tools that you offer. Um, those are the, the tools that I was talking about earlier, the morning ritual and the acknowledging exercise, um, mm -hmm. allowing people to be aware of the observer and what it means to be in the observer form mm -hmm. and that the observer only observes and to, you know, understand what that means for themselves, which most people don't observe. They react. Yes. Right. So instead of reacting, let's, let's observe for a moment because then you can take a few deep breaths and step back and watch yourself too and be like, Oh wow, there's a bunch of anger bubbling up inside of me. Okay. Well let's, let's process that in the middle of the discussion you may be having with the other person, right. Mm -hmm. Or just with yourself. And then you can shift out of that. I always, I'm always able to find gratitude. Right? Let's I, I talk about gratitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about gratitude because I think that's a, huge underlying pinning of leading a life of joy and, and health, isn't it? Yes, I agree. Um, gratitude is always easy to find. There's always the silver lining. I'm not always able to find love for the person standing in front of me at that moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're the one that I'm feeling angry about. So I'm not able to really feel like I want to be loving with them, but I am able to step outside and be the observer and say, okay, what is this person mirroring back to me? What are they showing me? And I'm, I'm going to choose to be grateful for this moment of awareness that I am being unloving of myself by feeling angry towards this person. Mm -hmm. It's not about them. They are mirroring back something to me. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's every time a mirror back, but maybe that mirror is just showing me, not literally, but maybe it's showing me that I'm there to hold space for them at that point in time because they're in their they're in the crap story. Right. Right. So sometimes it's just for us to see that that's where they're at and to check our own energy and say, okay, am I contributing to this right now? No, I don't feel that I am. Okay, great. I'm going to hold space for them and I'm going to be kindness and compassion. I'm going to be grateful mm -hmm. for this moment of awareness that they shared with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's beautiful. One last thing, there was something very beautiful you talked about that, that stayed with me and I've tried to practice it. And that was the concept of lovingly release. Mm, yes, this is a really great concept. Um, this came to me um, through another exercise that I share with people. Um, it's, it's a Toltec exercise uh, called recapitulation. I just call it cutting of the cords. And it's, it's really a lovely process of visualizing. Um, it's also, there's a Hawaiian tradition called Ho'oponopono, which is the same thing. Um, it's really just seeing whatever person you may be having um, a hard time with or being challenged by, or you don't have any resolution with some things in your life. Um, it's a space in the mind that you create and you see the person in front of you and maybe you do multiple people at once, but if someone is really affecting you or you're allowing this person to affect you, it is a space to go and be with them in the energetic 
in your mind in the etheric and you can have a conversation with them there and say what you feel and be open and honest because <clears throat> I don't believe there's any difference between that space in our mind that we close our eyes and go into and the space here. Mm -hmm. um, Joe Dispenza uh, did a workshop in in November at 1440 Multiversity in Scotts Valley and I attended. I didn't know anything about him until I went and I was there for two and a half days and one of the things he shared was this different brain <clears throat> neurofeedback he's been doing studies for like the last six years. <clears throat> Excuse me shows that the brain, and this is something that's known among science also, is that the brain doesn't really know the difference between what we are seeing in our mind and what we're experiencing here in the physical right now. So who's to say that you can't create these things in your mind in this etheric space? Mm -hmm. Create this new life. Create this new story. <coughs> Have a conversation with someone you want to resolve things with in this etheric space that's not not real. When we cut cords, we see the person in front of us. We feel all the emotions we feel. And then we see whatever cords may be connecting us. And then I take a deep breath in and I see that cord go taut. And then I actually use my fingers, my physical fingers, and I cut as I'm sitting with my eyes closed. And I say to that person, I, I forgive you. Please forgive me. And I lovingly give you back your power. And I lovingly taking back mine. And then as I'm doing that, I'm seeing things lovingly releasing from my body. Mm. I'm lovingly releasing this anger that I may have felt. I'm lovingly releasing these insecurities that I may have felt. Because the mind is a powerful tool. We're, we're focusing on all these different visuals in our head that aren't supportive and loving. Why don't we just give it something new, loving, and supporting to focus on? Jessica, this has been so wonderful. Is there any one specific tip that you have for our listeners as they, you know, end listening to this podcast, what is the one thing you want them to do right away to lead a much happier life? Create a morning ritual. Give yourself at least 10 to 15 minutes in the morning to just sit in a quiet space that you have intentionally created for meditating and go there and honor yourself and honor your experience without judgment in quiet meditation, in contemplation of yourself. I love it. Thank you so much, Jessica. For the rest of you, we're going to be putting in links to her website, as well as to her social media. And stay smiling. There is so much wonderful insights you can take away today from this podcast. Share it with your loved ones. Share it with your spouse. Share it with your kids so we can all together grow as humanity to lead happier lives. I'll see you soon. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.